Hi, I'm Adia Deputan, and welcome to Green Business Builders, a brand new podcast brought to you by Ulster Bank. Over the series, I'll be chatting to a range of sustainable businesses working to tackle climate change, and they'll be sharing practical ways that businesses like yours could start to build a lower carbon future today. In this episode, our special guests will be talking about creating a greener supply chain. Kerry-Ann Roberts, Jarvis Smith, Esther Kungu-Cooper. Massive welcome to Green Business Builders. How are you all doing? Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. It is really, really nice to see your faces beaming down at me. You're coming from all corners of the UK, which is great. So first of all, can you introduce yourselves, introduce your business? Why don't you start, Kerry-Ann? Sure. I run a fashion and accessories brand called Mercer, which is French, but I'm Welsh, so I'm not saying it properly. You have to excuse me. Yes, yeah, so we make clothes and accessories for parents and kids. And my role in the company is basically everything. I don't do my accounting. I'm not that skilled, but <laughs> everything else is me. <laughs> a one-woman band. Yes. Impressive. Esther. I'm Esther Kunga Cooper. I'm co-owner of Pico Tea Edinburgh, and we're a loose-leaf tea company. So my role varies from making up tea blends to sorting out the website to just everything. Whatever needs done. (laughs) And Jarvis. I'm co-founder of My Green Pod. We're an ethical lifestyle company. We run a web hub and an online ethical shop, mygreenpod.com. And I'm lucky now because I have a team of actually seven people. But I have done all the one-man band stuff. And then my (laughs) wife and I went into business together. So I know the business inside out, thankfully. You've done the journey, Jarvis. You've done it. Yeah, something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Let's kick off by asking you guys, what small changes businesses can start to apply to their supply chain today? Esther. We spend quite a lot of time and we're quite careful with where we source from. Mm. I think it's really important to us. You've got to make sure that what you're buying is what it says it is. Our tea suppliers are people we've worked with for years since the beginning. And when my husband set up the business initially, he went out to China and been to India to meet them to see the gardens. So we knew that it was coming from a good source. Mm. It was always something that was really important to our business because the shortcut is to use a third-party wholesaler who does all the work for you and then mm. you can just say someone else has done it. But we've never been the type of business where we've wanted to just take things at face value. We've always wanted to find out for myself, okay, where is this coming from? It feels like more and more that people really want to know more about where their products come from. The most conscious thing that a business can do is really take into consideration the inclusion and co-collaboration with nature in their business decisions. So materials, ingredients, you know, are these damaging people? Are they damaging ecosystems? What are you contributing to in your supply chain? And also the social and people part of that as well. To give a really good example, the plastic issue is obviously a really conscious mainstream issue, certainly in Europe. So we will look at brands that sell products in recyclable plastic, but we go a little bit deeper than that. We also look at all the ingredients and we won't ever take on products that have ingredients that we would describe as being toxic. So therefore damaging the ecosystems or nature. So for us, it's a conscious approval system that we have. 
it's a real mindset way of looking at things, you know, where it's not just about the economic side of things. It's also about the bigger picture and what it does yeah, to the planet. Definitely. Yeah. Our business model has always had the priorities in this order. Planet, people, purpose, profit. And I don't think there are many businesses out there that put profit last in their business model. But we've got to do that if we are to get out the other end of this nine years turning point. Carrie-Anne, your products, to get them, to get the materials, you have to do a lot of due diligence. So my business is six years old. And when I started, you couldn't really get hold of anything. Like even getting hold of organic cotton garments was hard. And that's like the base level now. So nowadays you can go and find garments that are organic cotton, they're certified this and certified that, and they're quite readily available. But that's only been in the last few years that's become quite a widespread thing. What I'm moving into now is trying to find more dead stock garments. So basically things that are just sitting in boxes, in warehouses, Mm. wherever, that might just get burned or just left Mm -hmm. somewhere or ditched. And that is great, but also if I get a whole bunch of that product and I put something on it and people like it and it sells out, I can't then get it again. (laughs) So it's really challenging. Although the good thing about that is it then makes it a little bit more unique and more special. It's so special. The dead stock garments are so much nicer. Mm. They're like soft and the cuts are really lovely. And I was at a vintage wholesale place just yesterday having a look through loads of T-shirts and just trying to find things that already exist rather than creating more. You guys are kind of filling in gaps in our site and in the business world where it's been less efficient. You guys are filling in those spaces and you're kind of like pioneers. Yeah, I think with fashion in particular, the majority of places where you can buy clothes won't have necessarily even thought about it. Mm. Be like, oh, this like one tiny little range here (laughs) is really sustainable. Part of the trouble People are using the sustainability thing as a competitive issue rather than a this is something we want to do to be working towards being sustainable. But I think for us, we want it to be more have the tea, enjoy the tea, drink the tea. It's a nice product. And the sustainability, because it's part of the core, we don't want people like, oh, we're buying your tea because it's green. We want people to be buying it because they like the product. So then you can reach a sort of wider range of people if you're selling on the basis of, We've got a good product and what underpins everything we do is trying to make it as sustainable as possible. You know, businesses thought that if they talk a little bit about this sustainable thing that they're doing, where 99% of their other business model is completely unsustainable, people are seeing through that now because people are not asleep anymore. They're Mm -hmm. wide awake, particularly the younger generations that can buy into disruptive brands. How have you overcome the difficulty of communicating your environmentally conscious choices and not sounding too high and worthy? And how do you get that message across? We've always embraced the positive stories. And I think that's a nice thing to do because we want people to feel part of a system that they're a solution and not a problem. I love that because it's now meaning you buy into the products, not just financially, but in all sorts of ways. The younger generation are so clued up on all of this stuff. As our brilliant guests can testify, businesses of all shapes and sizes are coming together to reduce their carbon footprint, including Ulster Bank too. 
They believe that a small action today can be felt for decades to come. Whether that's their continued support of climate-focused businesses, the target to be net carbon zero by 2025, or being a lead sponsor of COP26, the UN's climate change summit taking place in Glasgow. To find out more about Ulster Bank's involvement in this year's summit, search for Ulster Bank COP26. Now, let's carry on with the show. You guys are businesses and you want to save the planet. Have you made your greener ambitions financially viable? Have you got tips for businesses to help them to do the same? Yeah, so I started to break down every single part, every single aspect of my business from the product to how the product gets to me, to how I'm handling the product, to the packaging the product goes in and just think, how can I make this better? What can I switch out? What alternatives are available? And then as you are able to afford them, buy into one of those things. So my packaging, everything is eco, even the tape. You know, I have to wet it with a sponge. It's not like a plastic tape. <laughs> I literally have a kitchen sponge and I'm just like rubbing water on it and sticking it to parcels. There are things you can do in every tiny little aspect of your business. Just make whatever changes you can as you go along and then just keep making them. You know, in most cases, you're not going to be able to do a complete turnaround overnight. But there are things you can do as you go along. I think it's an ongoing thing with our business. So we've made quite a few improvements over the last couple of years to be more sustainable, but we're not perfect yet, so there's always more that we can do. Things like our packaging, now we've used compostable films and we use recyclable products. And then when our electricity contract was up this year, we've now switched to 100% renewable Mm. energy. And these are the types of things that businesses can do right away fairly easily just switching out making small changes finding where your energy supplies comes from is probably one of the biggest decisions you would make with the business isn't it yeah that and materials and supply chains yeah i think are the two and also where do you keep your money who are you banking with if you're paying staff which we now do and they have pension funds you know what are we contributing to in those pension funds so you know these are really conscious business decisions that business leaders can take at any level one-man bands or big organizations There's loads of amazing case studies now, isn't there, of businesses that really invested in sustainability. You know, Patagonia's, the Marks and Spencer's. I'm not saying that they're the best, but they really have proved that investing in long-term sustainability is better for your business. You know, businesses that don't do that now, they're not going to survive in the foreseeable future, partly because customer awareness is so strong that we're so powerful with our money that we spend. If we move to a different brand, then they'll literally be out of business. So, yeah, it's paramount. People are so curious as well. I found that people want to know. So even like people who might follow me on Instagram might not really be that interested in eco-packaging or whatever. But as soon as I start talking about it or supply chains or different things that I'm doing, they're like, oh, that's so interesting. And then they will go and look at another business and be like, they could do that or they could do this better and they can spread the word or then choose where to spend their pound. Yeah, exactly. It's become a proper mainstream conversation. I think because we're smaller, we're sort of speaking to our customers more directly. They ask us the questions about the sustainability directly and we have to be able to answer them. And I think that is a good thing. Consumers are a lot more savvy and a lot more aware of what they're buying because I think back in the past, people would just take for granted and just go for main brands, you know, and not really delve into things. I would have thought people would be 
holding the bigger corporations more to account because they've got more power really haven't they but i think people feel like they can have more of an impact with a small business because you are the business and you are accessible to Mm, them so there's a lot of pressure which is great because it makes people make better decisions Mm. jarvis talk to me about the challenges you've had in making sustainability a core of your business and you know how you've overcome them So our business model right now is to take Amazon on head on or certainly be in their rear view mirror and go buy from us because we've got the best products. You talked about profit earlier on. I'll be very honest. We make very little profit, but Mm -hmm. we have grown our team. We've got a nice big office. You know, we're expanding, we're scaling. And I think profit, if it has a purpose, is a really, really powerful tool. If profit doesn't have a purpose, it's kind of irrelevant. Great point. Looking back at your journey towards sustainability, how has your business model evolved in the last five years and where do you see yourselves in five years' time? I wouldn't have thought five years ago that I would be making the changes that I'm making now because it didn't even occur to me then. It didn't seem accessible or like it was an option and I'd never seen it happen before. So I think, you know, it's a bit of a cop-out, but wait and see. (laughs) Keep going down the same road and more things become available to you and accessible to you and you should just grab them with both hands, I think, whenever they come along. I think just the speed at which things are changing and the speed at which knowledge is getting out there, even over the last two or three years, not even the whole time I've been in business, things are changing so fast and people know so much at such speed now. And that can only get bigger and faster and people will care more and more and more. If I look back to where we were five years ago, we're definitely less sustainable five years ago than we are now. So we've made quite a big lot of changes in the last five years so I think going forward in the next five years we can do a lot more and actually that's quite nice hearing Jarvis talk he's got me kind of inspired to think okay I need to be pushing the sustainability message more because it is important to us being a small business we were never in a position until now to look about giving back a percentage of your profits whereas now we are in that position so we want to look at ways we can give back and donate more but also it's finding the right kind of projects to work with the short answer (laughs) is to be zero net carbon business and to give back more to the planet jarvis so we've been on an interesting journey in 2008 when we launched our first product nobody really cared about sustainability there were only a few brands that really we could work with but you know winding forward now there's been some great research which we've been privy to and a part of 90% of people certainly in the UK want to live more sustainably that statistic went up during the pandemic but only 10% of people have actually acted on it so there's an 80% gap in there of people that want to live sustainably but haven't. Why haven't they? Because most of the time people don't know what to do, so they carry on doing what they're doing, right? So we've seen that kind of emergence, if you like, arise in, in human consciousness and therefore it's mass mobilised people. So where we want to be in five years and where we will be in five years is to be able to offer that one-stop shop so people know that they can come to a trusted brand that have done the due diligence, that have the best products that are available, that embed restoration and plant a tree for every transaction. And therefore, people don't have to do the research. They can just very comfortably come to My Green Pod knowing that they've been serviced what it is that aligns with their own values. And now, if we can take a significant share in the UK market and then expand into the US and various other continents, then that will be a really good benchmark for us. Wow. 
exciting and such a clear vision. I like it, really do. Listen, we're coming towards the end, but I just want you guys to give businesses one practical piece of advice to move towards a more sustainable model today. I think I've already said mine, but I'll say it again. Take a look at every single aspect and just look at what is accessible to you. There are things you can do today for free that will have a big, big impact. And then moving on from that, make the bigger changes. So the second what Kerry-Anne has said, then with the Edinburgh Science Festival that we've been working with, the Net Zero Toolkit, it's an online version of looking at every bit of your business and mm. all those little changes you can make. And that's quite a useful little tool you can use. How can people find out about that tool, Esther? Uh, it's the Edinburgh Science Festival. It's called the Net Zero Toolkit. Great, the Net Zero Toolkit. And you, Jarvis? Very simply, and it's probably going to be obvious to you all, but I would ask every business to embed restoration into their business model. So every time they sell something to a customer, they commit to putting something back to nature. If you think about any business, every single resource comes from nature, every single thing. You know, even if you're a service, an organisation, computers, whatever it is, it all comes from nature. So embed restoration doesn't cost a lot and it just shows that you really care about making profit and giving back. Putting back into the bank of life. That's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Carrie Ann Roberts, Esther Kungu Cooper, Jarvis Smith. I've really, really enjoyed this. I just want to wish you guys and your businesses the best of luck and thank you so much for this lovely chat. Have a wonderful oh, thank day. You. Thank you. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Green Business Builders and to our guests, Carrie Ann Roberts, Jarvis Smith, and Esther Kungu Cooper. I've definitely learned a lot more about sustainable supply chains, and you should now have some valuable takeaways that you can start applying to your business. Ulster Bank aims to help you start moving towards your dream green business today. For more support, simply search Ulster Bank Green Business Hub for practical articles, videos and more. Don't forget to join us on the next episode where I'll be talking to Lawrence Kemble-Cook from PaveGen and Hannah Harrison from WPP about the radical steps they're taking to lower their carbon emissions. Until next time. <laughs>